we're taking a trip down the rap metal slash butt metal express into Limp Bizkit's significant other. As always, I'm the Dr. David Pizzo, coming at you not actually live from Western Austria and Zagans. With me also, as always, are my compadres and co-conspirators and fellow defendants, Ben and Tracy. How are you gentlemen this fine evening? Doing good. Trying to survive the torture that was placed on us for this recording. Tell us how you really feel about it, Tracy. I'm actually doing pretty good. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not for everyone, I guess, Tracy. Well, well you, how you guys, that last time made me remember high school. This guy's is making you guys remember just past high school. <laughs> well, I was in a similar place. Uh, actually, a little further removed than that. But I was in a similar place when this album came out that you were when the last album came out. I was living grad student life. This is right when I started grad school being a pretentious idiot. So cruising in my Nissan. So I remember something quite vividly. It was literally right when I started the program at Temple Hill. Yeah, I think that that's actually, I'm glad you brought up the cruising in your Nissan because this is, there's another album that I can remember being in everybody's, like every car that I got into, people were listening mm-hmm. to. And this is one of them. And the other one was The yep. Chronic by Dr. Dre. Um, yep. Check, <laughs> so, and check. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what we are doing is a second studio album by Limp Biscuit, Significant Other, released on June 22nd of 1999 on NRG Recordings, uh, recorded at NRG Recording Studios in North Hollywood, California. Came out on Flip and Interscope Records. It was produced by Terry Date, had a runtime of 62 minutes and 39 seconds. The band is Fred Durst on vocals, Wes Borland on guitars, DJ Lethal on turntables, keyboards, samples, programming, sound development, John Otto on drums and percussion, and Sam Rivers on bass. And they have a Tracy band level of additional musicians. Uh, Method Man vocals on In Together mm-hmm. Now, Les Claypool spoken word on a hidden track, Matt Pinfield spoken word on a hidden track, Anita Durst guitarist vocals on the hidden track. Mathematics, Scott Borland on keyboards, Jonathan Dables, guest vocals on Nobody Like You, Aaron Lewis, backing vocals on No Sex, and Scott Weiland, backing vocals on Nobody Like You. So, wow, that's a, a lot of people. It was. It was a, t- it was a time, Ben. It was. No, and, and honestly, that number of people that they brought in, it's actually not a, a ton of people, but it reminded me very much of what hip hop was like at the time where you would have guest clients. Yeah. And I think that may be due to the hip hop influence on the band. Well, there was this is much more hip hop than their the previous album, Three Dollar Bill. Yes. It really is. Because I had the previous album and I thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I listened to this, I was like, all right, because I was into like insolence and I guess by this point, the first Slipknot was already out. I'm trying to think, sort of trying to place this. What other rap metal, which is, you know, this is when Onion rated rap metal as the 13th greatest danger. You know, it was like the 70th greatest danger <laughs> to Americans between Belgians and zoo animals. <laughs> but, <laughs> so this is rap metal's reign of terror, really writ large. I mean, it's, I'll admit, it's so ridiculous. I mean, between him being from Gastonia, North Carolina, which, and then just Jacksonville, <laughs> which, uh, it's, it's, this is very much a product of its time and place. I, I, I don't pretend for even one minute that Fred Durst isn't a ridiculous human being. I mean, who among us has not been pistol whipped by Eddie Van Halen? I referred to earlier episodes. <laughs> yes. 
did he have it coming? Absolutely. He, he, he admits he was complete. <laughs> he like, I don't know. But Scott Borland, say what you want, the riffs on here are kind of awesome, at least in my opinion. And I, I love that. Disagree with you. Right? And, the riffs are catchy. And you can just and see, I was going to say, with Les Borland, you can just see the detriment that happens to the band after he leaves and the that album results may vary. And he comes back. Like, you know, the new one I actually told you was pretty good. And I the thing for me though, this wasn't a bridge very far between I, I like them was on the ride with anthrax. But I listened to shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I listened to hip hop before I listened to that all and love Wu Tang and such. So that crossover and you see you know, plenty of that on the next album too. Um, you know, that wasn't a difficult transition for me. I thought they were together okay. And you know, I wouldn't go to Fred Dose for like relationship or moral advice, but no. Or or loan him my shit. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, uh, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I I think it's aged better than maybe I thought. I, I was a little worried. I was like, this is important. We talk about that. So my side of it, I'm like, does this sound really terrible? Was <laughs> uh, you know, I, I in some ways was surprised at how not terrible it was. I don't know. I know Tracy probably disagrees with me, but. How do you feel, Tracy? Is it not terrible, or is it not, not, not terrible? It's it's not, 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 not terrible. I, it's somewhere not in the... Not to the eight. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very interesting album. Like, because, you know, this album came out in 99, and mm-hmm. I feel like this is the album that placed my biscuit as the poster child, as, like, the new metal that was sweeping across the nation there. And, like, but it obviously been new metal had been occurring for half a decade at this point in time since Korn's subtitle release was in 94. And this album, I think, is just this confluence of just random stuff that kind of happened. I do think it kind of dates itself with its ending. I'm like, I had to look up who the fuck Matt Penfield was. Like, why should I? I know the I knew who he was, but I you know, too, why yeah. would you? But. Like, I remember when I saw him, I was like, oh, yeah, he's from MTV. But if somebody heard this now, they'd be like, who the fuck is that? What is MTV? (laughs) Well, I mean, to be fair, there's a certain, and it's kind of funny, because for about 18 months, this was the biggest band in America, if not the world. It was. Um, Because they were everywhere. The videos were fucking fantastic. Terry Date, who had done a lot of Pantera and other stuff. The production on this is so fucking good. Subterra, like that, he's, yeah. he's a complete badass. Yeah, but I mean, he just he he just mixed everything so well. I think to your your comment about like new metal, this took that up a notch because it more successfully integrates the rap aspects into new metal in a way that a lot of uh, a lot of other new metal like the Cold Chambers of the World and stuff like that don't really do. And you know. Fred Durst for all his faults, and there are a lot. There was something about him that seemed sincere in a bro kind of way, but also more self-aware than I want to say that a lot of other people doing any type of music, but especially this sub-genre of metal we're doing. I agree with that, and I think he's yeah. changed over time. Sure. A lot. Um, yeah, this album was everywhere. I guess Tracy mm-hmm. knows that. Terror, it I was well the thing is though like my brother has three favorite i'm gonna say two favorite genres of music 
Blood Biscuit and wrestling interests, and that is it. <laughs> so, Those are both very specific. And that is my brother. Like, I'll, I'll watch your Spotify. Like, Spotify on your desktop will show you what other people in your friends are still listening to. It's wrestling intros or Blood Biscuit. It never varies, never changes for anything else. That is wow. what my brother listens to. So, I grew up with significant other and what and chocolate starfish and hot dog flavored water, like during the height of this. And of course, you know, we were watching wrestling. You, they did a bunch of stuff with the wrestling scene as well. That's several. Of course. They, you had the rolling intro with, they played live for one of the WrestleManias for The Undertaker. But I mean, this album, I, I want to say without Wimp Biscuit showing the availability that rapping they would do, it was crossing with metal and also the turntables and the MC aspect of it as well without them showing that in this album, I don't think you get hybrid theory from Lincoln Park. Oh, I don't think so either. And, uh, you know, Q and I, the power of no case, we're going to talk about the track for mm-hmm. a second. I mean, yeah. Gigi Lethal's the real deal, as much as, I mean, not, I'm not going to get into the favorite racial coding of hip hop per se, but, you know, in terms of at least white guys doing this, um, you know, fucking DJ Lethal, well, uh, who is, I think, as important as West Borland for how they sound. In some ways, maybe more with the incorporation of the hip hop elements. But I mean, not to undercut West Borland's amazing guitar playing and his level of weirdness that is only topped by Les Claypool. But because I mean, like, to, uh, and honestly, I mean, I think you can think, think in some ways, West Borland for Mudvayne, at least the initial iteration of Mudvayne, because he always went out there in those crazy ass outfits that he wore, which was what Mudvayne was doing. And I don't remember exactly when Mudvayne's first album came out. Tracy can tell me, I'm sure. But 99, I think. So, yeah, right around that. Uh, so, you know, and there was just, uh, there was a sense that this band never took itself too seriously. Which you can even see yeah. in that Matt Penfield thing. I, I think it would have aged much worse if they had been that way. You can see oh, yeah. more of that. The Ben Stiller shit on the next album is mm-hmm. what the next one. Is. No, if they had taken themselves as seriously as I said, it just was some of the what did you say, Ben? Third tier new metal band. Tertiary. Yeah, yeah. Tertiary. No, you used the fancier. You used one of grad school words. Tertiary new metal bands. I think this would have very badly, right? Yeah. Well, and I think part of it is also. This album doesn't have the issues that you see in some new metal albums uh, from around this time. Like I think it's Corns. Like the album, like the album issues. That is it. <laughs> is it? Which one is it that has All in the Family in it? Like if you go back and listen to that album, that song now, you're just like, holy fuck, this is atrocious. Atrocious. That might be issues. It's Corn. I don't remember. Because that's the one that. Yeah, like they don't, I, they I, somehow managed to avoid a lot of the pitfalls of like their language they use, of, at least on this album. Like it doesn't hit that unacceptable level nowadays. So you're not like just looking at it and that one's on follow, I'll follow the leader, I think, but right around yeah. the same time. Yeah, that was in 98. Yeah, just before this. Yeah. Yep, you're exactly right. Yeah, that was I was on follow and that album was so that song is fucking terrible. Oh my god. But anyway, but yeah, this is something to a degree that surprised me aged relatively well. I mean personally it's ridiculous. And the age we live in is if anything more absurd. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I was kind of expecting, like, I was like, I hadn't listened to Nookie in forever, so I was kind of like, oh boy, here we go. But I was like, oh, I mean, yeah, it's not as problematic as it could be, and I'm kind of surprised it's not. And I think it's, so, it may be because we grew up listening to it, and we know some of, like, the turns of phrase they're using, what that actually represents, but I wonder now if a generation heard it back, what the hell is the Nookie? I mean, what is the Nookie? Who cares about it? So it might be kind of, you know, how you Gen Xers have your own secret language <laughs> that people in my generation can't understand. Okay, <laughs> about my generation. Anyway. But no, I thought this was, uh, it is too long to, to kind of go back to the album and not the band of the moment. Um, because there's just so much stuff on here, which I will give them credit for you know, about 15 tracks, depending on how you want to code the, the hidden tracks. But yeah, it, um, at least nothing is too long. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you there. Nothing really, the, albums, the songs and stuff are specifically nothing's outrageous and linked. The album does feel like it runs a little long, but I mean, there's one that we were talking about it before, we start recording the one thing that surprised me when we went back and we're hearing it's just how melodic sometimes it can be in some of their stuff i forgot about that with them like they'll do like hey we're going to go a lot more melodic and not quite full on 1999 kapow in your face and to that point fred durst is probably a better vocalist and definitely a better rapper than i gave him credit for at the time oh yeah He's just such a butthead problem, but yeah, in terms of what he can actually do, I mean, here it is. Yeah, well, and like, oh, God. I mean, you know what it was like then, David. All of a sudden, there was a bunch of dudes wearing fucking white t-shirts with backwards-ass red baseball caps everywhere. I do. It's sort of like five-figure death on Twitter in terms of the kind of people that liked it. Yeah. Tracy's brother. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like this more than that. Than five finger death punch because it's way catchier. I think it's I think it's better songwriting and also it oh, doesn't yeah. have it doesn't have that toxic issues that five finger death punch has in it as well. Well, yeah, because even like the most. Oh, go ahead, David. I was going to say it doesn't take itself nearly as fucking seriously, and I think the riffs are better. Yes. Well, what I was going to say parallels greatly with that is because even the track on here that could be aggrieved break stuff is a a is really kind of tongue-in-cheek and it's talking about how he's feeling not actually going out and assaulting somebody correct important distinction yeah he he learned from eddie van halen (laughs) well i don't know if he learned it yet but he was going to learn it from eddie van halen he was going to learn it that's one month foreshadowing yes eddie van halen comes down from on high to teach you the the intricacies of assault Uh, this is what actual assault looks like you punk anyway (laughs) yep yeah no this is way better and i prefer it greatly ffdp Yes. Who, who one day is going to beat the shit out of us, just to predict, and along with Glenn Barnes. Yeah, and Glenn Danzig. They're just going to roll up on us one day. There's just a long line. Mall of like, America. It's like 30 yeah. cars running deep. 
All the prog bands will show up in their VW Beatles after they had to push them because they ran out of diesel. <laughs> it's not going to be diesel. It's going to be vegetable. Reclaimed vegetable oil. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Thunderdome is definitely more focused than ever. Really. We are. We blame it, we blame it on the nookie. <laughs> The entire editorial staff of Loudwire, whoever it was that I was talking shit about. <laughs> no, totally. Every one of them. <laughs> oh, shit, y'all. Uh, speaking of nookies, a track time. I feel like it might be here before yeah, we do more, more people. Like. <laughs> so should we get our drinks ready for you, David? Or uh, I don't see. The thing is, I don't know if I'm going to say all, because there's some stuff in here. It could, it could use a little bit of a trip. I like, you know, I just want to drink. So I'm going to. So I'm going to do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a drink to that. I'll take a drink. It's a lot of them, though, because um, I don't mind the intro and closer. I mean, because you have hip hop vibe. I like just like this a lot. Nookie is, I'm sorry, this song is fucking badass. Like, it shouldn't be. It's absurd. <laughs> <And> it's, just, <laughs> yes. it's way better than it should be. It's so fucking catchy. I love break stuff. That sort of, as Tracy often says, that one two punch is fantastic. Um, the middle of it's okay. For us, man, I don't, I forgot how good that song was. Uh, and I like, which is the one with, uh, don't do a pile of corn. That's uh, uh nobody, nobody like, like you. you. Nobody like you. That song. I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten about that song. I was like, oh shit, everybody's on this song. Yeah. But I like most of these. But those aren't there were the highlights. Um. But you know, it's not really a bad song here. There's a couple other kind of fluff. To Ben's point, I think we could trim this to a leaner, maybe 52 minutes or so. But um, yeah, I like it. I like most of these tracks. And I'll listen to it again. You can't stop me. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to listen to this album more. <laughs> and actually, we we need to, and it'll be a while because we are, but we need to throw Chocolate Starfish on here. Because, I agree with that 100%. In a lot of ways, they came out so close together because it comes out the very next year, like you said, the 18-month reign of terror that this band had that I kind of meld them together to one album in my mind. Um, but yeah, I I like the intro and outro because they're kind of silly. And like like I said, dumb me in, in 1999, and my sensibilities on pop really agreed with Matt Penfield, um, I, which I don't anymore. Um, but yeah, the, at the time, sure. But Nookie, Break Stuff, I love Rearrange. Just the um, wow, the mixing on that and the melody is so fucking good. Um, I'm broke. I My tattoo artist used to sing that all the time, which was, you know, funny. Um, anyway... Um, and then in together now with Method Man, holy fuck, that's such a good song. Yeah, for sure, it really is. But, Let me some Method Man. Yeah, me too. I'm just going to mimic what you guys said. Uh, just like this is all right, but Nookie breaks up for a range. Uh, nobody like you, 1999. They always get a little like somehow managed to get some wonky ass sound like you look at it and you're like what the hell is this track title then you're like oh it actually makes some fucking sense it's very prince it. writing in those song titles yeah uh and in together now was pretty good too so i mean it was a nice throw down memory lane and as rap metal goes it's sort of a cadillac i mean mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of rap metal it's better there's some hip hop that's better than this, plenty, but there's rap metal, which is pretty much it's apex. Yeah, it, I, even though it's uncapped after. But. Yeah, I, I, I think, think I have to agree with that. That this is 
they were the the band that most successfully combined the two genres. I will say that in that 18 month period between this and Chocolate Starfish Water, Chocolate Starfish and Hot Dog Flavored Water, there's only one other album that kind of comes close in combining, at least quality wise, the rap metal and metal, rap and metal, and that's Hybrid Theory for Lincoln Park. Like, I think that's the only one you can include in this discussion. I think you can include it in this discussion because they do have a DJ full time and they kind of do have a rapper, but the, I I think that that leans much more on the rock metal with elements and and not a true mixing of the two. Because and, and honestly, if you were to and I didn't do this, but if you were to sit down and go track to track and and compare the elements, I think this uses a lot more hip hop than Hybrid Theory did. Yeah, Bob. yeah, I agree with you. It does, but I just looking at. Because being prior to that, that'll be a conversation for if we ever do hybrid theory. Let's just do that. <laughs> oh, I'm cool. I'm down with doing hybrid theory. That's a... Oh, I would love to do that. No, I listen to shit out of that album. I would, I would say in the same vein, although I don't think they're as, as successful or not as successful, they didn't do it to the same level as um, Linkin Park would be uh, Incubus. Sure. So, but in, anyway... I don't know why we went on that tangent, but that made me think of that. Why not? We do hear tangents. Yeah. That's what we do here on Dondo Metal Reviews. Tangent Dome Metal Reviews. <laughs> We're going to rebrand the tangent. That's all it's going to be. The Tangent Dome. We could, we could do that. Yeah. We could do all kinds of other music. Tangent Dome <laughs> Metal Reviews. Probably less nope. likely to get a cease and desist letter. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> From Tina Turner and the mayor of, of, of Bartertown. <laughs> <laughs> Master Blaster. Master Blaster embargo. Okay, it's getting real random. We should probably grade it. And I we should. I guess I have to go first. I I like this album a lot. It's fun. You can tell. I think it's pretty cool. I still can't quite put it where I put things like roots, bloody roots. Like there's limits. So I'm gonna put it at the highest A minus possible and give it to my two. That's good shit. I'm going to come in just under that and give it a B plus the stuff on here that is great is so good. And the production is so good, but there is quite a bit of filler and you know, they're there as much as I appreciate the silliness. It is kind of silly, but fun is fun, man. Like I said, I can remember like just driving around listening to this and a CD over and over and over again. Yeah. I'm going to come in and write the word Ben and give this a B plus as well. This album, it's one of those albums you forget about. I want to say, like, for me, I forget about it. And I come back here, it's shit. I remember 90% of this album, and it's been 10 and a half mm-hmm. years since it's been 15 years since I last heard it from start to finish. Like, it just kind of like hits that uh, monkey brain, and you're just like, oh, wow, I remember this a lot. I'll take this thing, B plus. The highest compliment that I can give this, because like I said, this was everywhere. I never got tired of hearing these songs. Unlike, like the the only other album that I can think of that is like this that was so ubiquitous, was the Black Album. Or I was the, just thinking that. Like I was Spirit. like, I, I was like, I've never listened to this in the Black Album. I was literally yeah, yeah. Just thinking that. Exactly. And I was like, I got so Amazing. tired of hearing Inner Sandman. Like I said, I hadn't Me listened too. to Inner Sandman on by choice until we had done the review of it in like fucking 15, 20 years. This stuff, 
it still sounds cool and fun, no matter the fact that I've heard it almost as many times as Intersandman. No, I was literally thinking, I was like, the other one I would think it would, be, would be the Black Album, and I would rather listen to that. So, yeah. Like, I think I gave the Black Album a 91 out of just sheer historical significance, but so, I gave it something a 92, so there we are. I'm consistent. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhat is. Somewhat is, maybe, possibly. Speaking of <laughs> possibilities, what in God's name is that? No, we have to say what we're going to buy it. I did buy it, I would buy it. Same. Same. Did because oh, I did remember, <laughs> I did I did end up buying this um one point time down the road God I don't remember when but I ended up buying it years later myself after uh, my brother had moved out and stuff so yes because I, uh, I, <laughs> I remember I, it, yeah. I remember I remember owning the physical copy of this to have my CD case and I was one of those. Because I was such a stickler about making sure my CDs didn't scratch, I put the CD behind the book art in the case. Of course it did. And so, like, I remember the, this vividly, like, putting the CD on this. But you had to that. watch out for that because, like, if things got really hot, it would burn the the artwork onto the disc. Well, I put it behind the di- behind the CD, oh. the, the book. So the book was in front, and then you had oh, the okay, the album okay, artwork okay, in front, okay. and you had the CD. I, I had transposed how you had that. I thought you had the the booklet and then the CD on top of uh, it. I hated doing that because I thought I was going to scratch my disc. Okay. Imagine. Also, that's the equivalent of your spreadsheet. Now. It is. <laughs> it, just, also, it doesn't. It doesn't help. They were in alphabetical order and and by release here either. Oh, I did that. Oh, I mean, that is, how else are you going wow. to arrange them, Tracy? I don't. <laughs> I guess oh, I them by just, per- So David's a heathen. Oh really? No, wow. I reason by no. Wow. I did it by because I remember by when I bought it because I always I, I'm a fucking historian. Like for me, it was uh-huh. narrative. Like like so no, they were arranged for me by when I got it, and I always remember like oh that was October of '94. It's I, just, I mean after you know playing historian games with historian process. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I mean I was I was going at it from an archetypal sense, like cause having worked at a yeah. comic book store, you put everything in alphabetical order in release date, oh, so it's easy to find. Yeah, so if anybody's like, a friends arrived with me and I couldn't get it, I'm like, hey, dude, grab the CD out. They knew where to look for it. Yeah. Dave's well, like, I didn't care if they did. I knew where to look for it. Dave's oh, like, totally. Dave that's actually cool. notes on his section. He's like, I bought that in 1995. So that's well, yes, that's yes. That's because I had like, these are the ones I bought in Berlin. These are the ones I got in my first year of grad school. These are, yes. That's how I... I might that, memories. I listen to music a lot, so yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. That uh kind of makes me want to have the how do you arrange your bookshelf conversation, but that's another podcast for another time. Um, sure one is. thing I wanted, one thing I wanted to say before we moved on though, is this is a badass album cover. I was gonna say that too. It's so, it's so good. I would love to have a vinyl or whatever now, yeah. right? Like yeah. So. Stop reading my mind, Ben. <laughs> I'm on that wavelength. It's the whiskey. Um, that's that's Eugene Xers. Yeah, probably. Yep. Guilty. <laughs> the Gen-X fact that we're brothers from another mother's, but uh... hell yes, my, my daughter is like, is he actually your brother? I'm like, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> he is now. Yeah, for sure. It's very real and legally binding. And, indeed, indeed. So we are legally binding contracts. Okay. Yeah, we're both trying to like jump on that. What's happening next? <laughs> next is we are not doing something from the '90s or any of we're our news, and we are looking at Era's album from 2018, Neon. That is from Cloaca Metal Reviews. Yes, though. 
right? That is... Right in that space. It was 2018. The minute I saw the release date, I'm like, I know how this happened, Cloaca. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I wouldn't have found it otherwise. Well, and then I wouldn't be able to share it with you guys. It is another well, deep just... dive into a Tracy pick. We'll see how that goes. We will. Shall. Another Dome Metal Reviews. Where you can deep, give deep, a car. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 